Well, hey, welcome to Venture Church, man. I'm so glad that you're here. So glad that, that you're here worshiping with us. We get to be a part of this conversation together. And look, I'm gonna be honest with you, I really am excited about the conversation we get to have today. I'm really excited about where God has brought us to in his word. But before I just jump head first off into that, let me kind of pause real quick and just, just take a deep breath and make sure we're all still on the same page together, okay? Because Man, if you're like me, if your story, your life is anything like mine right now, the past few weeks have just felt absolutely crazy. Like, I don't know if I'm alone in that. I feel like I'm not. But look, it is just, man, it's been wild. Like, I feel like we've been all over the place, running constantly from one thing to the next, always got a new project, always got something going on, always got somewhere. Anybody else, anybody else kind of feeling that, that scattered, just kind of chaos in life right now? Yeah, you, you, man, you can look around and see, like, look, you, you're not alone in this, okay? And, and that's okay. As a matter of fact, that's actually why we started this conversation. And so several weeks ago, if you were here, if you remember, we, we started this conversation, began asking this question, hey, why is it that we feel so scattered? Why is it that, that life just feels out of control right now? And the reality is that for a lot of us, and this is my story, I'll be honest with you, this is my story, the, for a lot of us, man, the reason that life feels out of control, the reason life feels so scattered right now is because we've chose that. Because it's just kind of the pace we've chosen. Maybe we didn't think about it intentionally, but our choices have brought us here, right? Like we're the ones that's filling our schedule. We're the ones that's scheduling that trip and scheduling that tournament and saying yes to that game and saying yes to that thing. And so we're the ones that's kind of filling our schedule and causing this constant running. But maybe for you, and I recognize this isn't, the, this isn't the case for everyone. So maybe for you, like your story and the reason you're feeling that, that scattered tension right now is more because of circumstance than choice, right? Like maybe, maybe for you, you just kind of found yourself in a place in life that, that you just weren't ready for, like you didn't see this season coming, right? Like you, your parents are sick, and so now you have them at home and you're taking care of them, or you're, you're going to the nursing home every day after work to, to take care of your family. Maybe, maybe you're sick, maybe you've gotten a diagnosis that's kind of knocked you off your feet and you just haven't quite uh, reoriented and got your feet back under you. Maybe work is just piling on, right? Like everybody's short-staffed and so you're, you're used to the 40 hours a week, but because you don't have enough people at work, that 40's turned to 60 and now you, man, you, just, you don't have time to do anything else, right? You're just constantly going. But whatever the case, right, like, like why ever we're here, the reality is we're here, right? Like this is just where we are, man. We are, we are in a hurried pace of life. Like that hurried pace of life is, is fairly normal in our culture. I'm not saying it's a good thing, but I'm saying it's normal. And so we, we began leaning into this and say, okay, like if that's the case, like if that's just where we are, if, if that's what culture has brought us to, how do we move forward? Like, is there a better, should there be a better way? We, yes, we believe scripture says there should be a better way. How do we find that better way forward? How do we find that not scattered life, but rather sent life? And so we begin asking, like, what does it look like for us to redeem, for us to sanctify our scattering and use it more as ascending? How can we live a sent life as opposed to a scatter life? How can we find that purpose and that intentionality in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty and the constant running and the constant going? How can we get to a different season of life, hopefully, maybe for you, I don't know, but how can we look back on this particular season that we're in and think, 
man, I, you know, I, I'm glad I survived that season, but I did more than survive. Like, how, how can we look back on this season and begin to think like, man, not only did I survive, not only, maybe I had fun, I made some good memories because some of you just kind of like thrive in the chaos, right? But how, how can we get to a place where we look back on this season and say, man, I had some life-changing, some eternity-changing conversations, some life-changing, some eternity-changing experiences, yeah, I went to the beach, and, and, and yeah, I went to the tournament, but while I was there, man, in the midst of that scattering, it was more of ascending because God moved in my life and through my life in ways I never could have imagined, ways I never would have thought possible. What does that look like? And so a couple of weeks ago, about three weeks ago, I think Blake, our Gulf Coast campus pastor, he reminded us that, that look, if we're going to see beyond our scattering, that we got to be able to set our eyes on a living hope. That's what scripture says, a living hope. Right? And so the reality is, and this is, man, I want you to know this, that, that there is hope for you, that there's hope for peace, there's hope for rest, there's hope for healing, man, there's hope for purpose, there's hope for life, and that hope is found in the life of Jesus, a life that he shares with us, a life that he has given us. And it's not a life that we look, that we only look forward to one day in the future, but it's a life we experience today, a better day today. A better future, yes, but also a better day today. And then two weeks ago, Timmy um, reminded us that if we are going to live sent, right, if we're going to experience that sending, then that is going to look like a call to holiness, is what Scripture says, a call to be set apart, to be different, but to be different for the sake of making a difference, right? What Scripture says, what Jesus says, to be salt and light, to make the world a better and brighter place, right? To be different by making a difference. And so as we get to the end of this letter, if you've been following along with us in the reading plan and the daily devotions, we've been walking through the book of 1 Peter together. And so as we get to the end of this letter where Paul, or where Peter, sorry, where Peter is writing to those of us that feel disjointed, right? To those of us that feel like we're lost in chaos, to those of us that feel like we're scattered, running constantly without a, a sustainable pace of life. Peter brings us to the conversation on humility. He says, look, if we're going to be more sent than scattered, then it is going to look like a humble life. Now, if that feels like an awkward add-on to you, I'm gonna be honest with you, it, it did to me. Right, like as I was kind of reading this letter, the conversations on, on hope and the conversations on holiness, like I understand where that plays a role in, in the chaos and the uncertainty of life. But humility felt a little awkward to me. Like I understand the importance of the conversation, but in context, it felt, it felt a little weird to me. And then I realized that honestly, I, I was thinking about humility wrong. Like when I think about, honestly, when I think about humility and what that looks like to live out in my life, like I, I think about the whipping boy. Like I, like I think about the person that, that takes injustice and that, that takes unfair treatment, that, that takes inequality and never says anything in return, right? That, that just says, okay, I'll take the unfair punishment so that maybe you don't have to and I won't say anything, I won't complain. And then I ran across this quote that, I think really, really sets the tone and explains well what Peter's going to explain here in this letter. This pastor said that humility is not about passively receiving, but rather humility is about powerfully enduring. 
not passively receiving, but powerfully enduring. And so when we think about the, the situations and circumstances that contribute to our scattering in life, right? Like when we think about the, the job that, that's constantly asking more of us, when we think about the boss that's constantly demanding more and more and more of us, so much that we're working constantly, never spending time with our family, or our kids. When we think about like the, the family member that, that, that causes all the tension in the household and we just don't know how to relate to them anymore, when we, when we think about our inability to say no and create healthy rhythms and healthy boundaries, when we, we think about our pride that, that constantly leads us to wanting and pursuing more and more and more in our pride that says, hey, look, you need, to, you need to portray a certain image. You need to look a certain way. What Peter's gonna say is that humility is our path forward to experiencing freedom from that weight. And I think at the end of the day, man, that, that's a sensation that so many of us crave and long for, right? A freedom from that weight. So why Jesus said that you can follow me because my, my yoke is easy, right? My burden is like that there is a free and light life in following him. And what Peter says is a lot of that depends on, and it looks like humility. So let me show you. First Peter chapter five is the scripture we're gonna be hanging out in. First Peter chapter five. It's the very last chapter of this letter. And here's where Peter starts off this chapter, verse one, 1 Peter chapter five, verse one. He says, so I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, care for, tend for the people of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Now, let me pause right here for, for just a second, kind of take a little sidestep, because, man, what, what Peter is speaking to in these verses, something that's really important to me, honestly. I think we've all seen, we've all probably experienced in some way what Peter calls here domineering leadership. Leaders who lead by compulsion for selfish or shameful gain, right? We've seen that probably in the business world, in organizations, in jobs, and corporations that are led by selfish individuals, that are led by people who do so with a domineering spirit, who do so for the purpose of selfish or shameful gain. We've seen it in the political world, right? Like we see that all the time played out. And unfortunately, I think the reality is, man, we've seen it in church too. We've seen it in organizations and groups like the church that is a group meant for hope, right? It's a gathering in an organization meant for peace. And we've seen people lead in such a way that, that gives a domineering spirit and lead from a place of, of shameful and, and selfish gain. And we've seen the pain and, and the heartache that can come from that. And maybe, look, maybe that's your story. And one of the things I love about Venture Church is the, the uniqueness of stories that we have, right? From being a church of the unchurched and what that means, all the different walks of life that we've seen people come and engage in their purpose and engage in God's call. And maybe for you, your story is more of being de-churched, right? Maybe for you, man, in your background, in your history, you've been a part of a church that had a domineering leader that, that led from a, a place of compulsion and for selfish gain. And, and maybe you've been hurt in that and you're here today, I don't know, maybe even for the first time kind of stepping back into that. And let me just say, man, if that's your story, 
then I'm so thankful for you. And look, I'm, I'm proud of you. Genuinely, I'm proud of you for stepping back into a space that has caused pain and heartache in the past. And, I, and I'll tell you this, man, it just as a part of Venture Church, man, I, I really am. I'm thankful for our leadership. And I think it's okay for me to say that because I don't think Jeff Clark's in the room right now. So maybe, maybe you'll understand my heart in this. Um, I, I mean, I'm thankful for our pastor, for one. I'm thankful for our leadership here. Man, I, I'm thankful because look, we, we know that, that no one's perfect, right? Like, like we understand that while we've seen uh, some organizations and, and churches even be led in a domineering way, like we understand that no one's perfect. Like everyone has struggles. And it's one of the reasons I love Jeff Clark and I love the way he leads, right? Because we've seen that sense of vulnerability in him and we've seen him be honest with, hey, look, I'm not perfect. Even last week, he talked about some layers of accountability that he's had to place in his own life. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for a leader that's open and honest about that. But the reality is, and maybe you don't know this, Jeff Clark's not the only leader of Venture Church. I love him. I love him as a pastor, but he, he's not the only leader of Venture Church. We are, Venture Church is led by what we call a board, a group of what Peter says here, elders. These are, these are men in the church who have led well all throughout life. Man, these are, these are men in the church who, who exemplify the, the fruit of the Spirit and what it looks like to follow in the ways of Jesus. These are not people who are paid by the church. No, no, no. These are people who work 40, 50, 60 hours a week to improve their community, that love and lead their family well. And then because they love you, they serve this church. They lead from a place of service. Today, man, there, there are many of you that, that your kids are being watched by and they're being cared for and they're being taught by elders of Venture Church. Some of you were served a cup of coffee today by an elder at Venture Church. Some of you, man, an elder helped you find a seat and you would never know that, that they lead as a part of this church because they do so without a domineering spirit and they do so from a seat of service. And look, I, I tell you all that so I can say, like while we've seen hurt and heartache come at the hands of domineering leaders and we understand that, that no one's perfect, well, part of their role is to provide a layer of accountability, yes, but a huge part of their role is simply to love you and serve you well. I mean, I'm thankful for them. Verse four, so back to kind of the, the uh, humble conversation that Peter's bringing us into. First Peter chapter five, verse four he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, he's talking about the return of Jesus, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, so he kind of shifts gears here. He was talking about the elders who are leaders in the church. He says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Pay attention to, listen to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For, and now here, Peter's gonna quote a line from Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter three, and I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago because James uses the same quote as well, James chapter four, but he says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace, undeserved favor. He gives grace to the humble. And so here's what Peter is saying in all of those verses, okay? What Peter is saying through all of that is, look, if you want to lead well, if you want to learn well, if you even want to live well, then you must do so from a seat of and with a heart of humility. That humility is required to lead, to learn, and to live well. And we get this, I think, on a, a personal level. Like when we think about leadership, right? I mean, who wants to work for or follow a, a prideful, arrogant leader? And none of us want that, right? 
Like you don't want your boss at work to be prideful or arrogant and domineering. No, you want to you follow someone. You want to be led by someone who, who cares, who's compassionate, who's humble. We get that. But I'm not just talking about like leading from a, an organizational structure standpoint, right? Like I'm talking about leading your family. I'm talking about leading in the locker room. I'm talking about leading your community and your neighbors to a place of understanding that there is a better way forward in life, that there's a good God who loves them. Listen to me. If you want to lead well, nobody wants to listen to a prideful or arrogant person. No, no, no. If you want to lead people well, it comes from a place of humility, of understanding that while I certainly do not have all of the answers, man, let me point you to a God who's made a tremendous difference in my life who loves me well. The same time, Peter says, look, if you want to, it's not just about leadership, man. If you want to learn well, for a lot of us, like we, we've been stuck in this place in life, never being able to grow, never being able to develop, never being able to get off a certain treadmill of a struggle that we've had because we've never been humble enough to acknowledge it and accept it. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But if we're going to learn, if we're going to grow, if we're going to develop, I mean, we got to be willing to say and acknowledge, hey, I don't have all the answers. And then Peter says, look, beyond like what your interaction is on this learning leading level, look, just in life in general, and, and listen to me, I don't say this with a desire to like strike fear, but I say it because it's a warning and it's a truth and it's a reality in scripture that there's a way for you to stand in direct opposition to God. There's a way in which you can proceed in life directly opposed to the creator and sustainer of the universe, to the God who created you, to the God who puts breath in your lungs. And every minute you can stand in opposition to that God through pride, through arrogance. Pride puts you in opposition to God. And yet, that same God gives grace to the humble. And so your humility is literally the difference between standing in God's favor and standing in God's wrath. In order to lead, in order to, to learn, in order to live well, we must do so from a place of humility. Look back at verse five, because I think man, it, these words and the language that Peter uses here, I think is really important. About halfway through verse five, Peter uses this illustration. He says to clothe yourselves, all of you, regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Scripture uses this like clothing language and illustration a lot, in, a lot. Like we know that, that Jesus clothes us. He gives us robes of white. He places robes of white over us as a, a sign, a symbol of purity and forgiveness and holiness, right? If you know the, the parable of the prodigal son, you know that story where the son comes back to his father after rejecting him, that one of the ways the father restores his son is by clothing him, by putting a robe over him and a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. Why? Because one of the things clothing does is it establishes not only who you are, but whose you are, right? Like part of the reason you wear the clothes you do is because like, this is me, right? Like this is my style. This is what I do. This is kind of how you know my personality based off some of my clothing. But more than that, we understand that at base level, clothing is a protection, right? Like it's a covering, 
You wear clothing to cover yourself in a form of protection. You wear clothing to protect yourself from the sun, from the heat, from being sunburned, right? You, you, you wear clothing to protect yourself from the wind, rain, those elements. And in the same way, humility is a covering. It is a covering of protection. This is why all throughout this letter, if you've been following along and reading with us, if not, you can go back and read it. It's a really short letter. But Peter's going to use that phrase he used in verse 5, to be subject to. He's going to use that over and over and over again. Be subject to the leaders in the church. He's going to say, be subject to one another in marriage. He's going to say, be subject to government and authorities and the, the rule of the land, the law of the land. Why does he tell us to be subject in so many different spaces and places in life? Because it is a covering of protection. It's a covering of peace that protects us in a multitude of situations. Like you've heard it said, and scripture says, love covers a multitude of sins, but in the same way, humility covers us in a multitude of circumstances. It is a covering of peace. It is a covering of protection. But who does the clothing? Well, if I mess up, the pastor didn't feed me enough, right? Like, isn't that how it works? No. What's Peter say? Clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. This is your choice. That's what Peter says. This is your responsibility. This isn't anything I can do for you. This isn't anything anybody else can do for you. The choice to put on the robe, the clothing of humility, falls squarely on your shoulders. It's your choice. And listen to me. The choice that we make is a choice to count others as a priority. The choice of humility is to count others as a priority. This is why Peter says to clothe yourselves with humility, what towards one another, that your humility is meant to, to initiate, to, to move outwardly towards the people around you. Like if your humility is only a, a thing that you hold, if your humility does not affect the people around you, if your humility does not affect the way in which you engage and treat the people around you, it's not humility. It's a perverted sense of selfishness that just wants you to be able to say, hey, I'm better because I'm different than you. No, no, no. Humility says, I'm gonna count you as a priority. It's a choice we make in every moment, in every conversation, in every relationship. But here's the rub. Here's where we, we struggle with this. Because in order to experience humility, in order to be able to express humility, the way in which Peter calls us to, the way in which scripture calls us to, is we have to be willing to accept the fact that we are limited. And here's the deal, that's okay, okay? It's okay that you are limited. It's okay that you don't know everything. I know that might be scary to acknowledge and admit, but listen to me, it's okay. It's okay that you don't know and that you can accept it and say it out loud. It's okay that you don't know what tomorrow is gonna hold. It's okay that you don't know what today is gonna hold. It's okay that you don't know how you're gonna respond in a situation and you certainly don't know how someone else is feeling in a situation, right? It's okay to not know that because, listen to me, God does. You might be limited, but there is a God who is limitless. And that God sees you, and that God knows you, and that God cares about you. Look at verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under under the mighty hand of God. And so while, while our humility uh, moves forward towards the people around us, it comes under the mighty hand, the weight, the power, the awesomeness of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? 
because he cares for you. When I read these verses, I think about the story of Job in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know that book or not. Uh, in the book of Job, in the Old Testament, Job is a, a man of God who, I man, look, he, he is a righteous man. That's what scripture says. He's a righteous man that, that has followed God, that, that has kept his ways. And Job goes through some unimaginable tragedies, man, some just incredible pain and hurt. And he deals with all of this in a way that that he remains faithful to God. And when you get to the very end of the book of Job, there's this conversation between Job and, and God himself. And, and God says, now hang on. As Job begins to like question God, God says, now hang on. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Hey, Job, did you command the sun to rise this morning? Hey, Job, did, did you put life in the seas? Hey, Job, did you make your own life? No. That's as I did. I hold that life. And here's the great news about all that. He holds you as well. And he cares for you. And he loves you. And so when we come to a place where we can accept the fact that we are limited and we can rest in, in God's limitlessness, then it becomes okay to acknowledge the fact that because of our limits, we have struggles. And because of our struggles, the enemy schemes against us. That's what he goes on to say, verse, uh, verse eight. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Listen to me, you will, this is kind of the point of what Peter is saying, you will experience humility. You will either experience it in the goodness of God, or you'll experience it in the attacks of the enemy but your pride will not persist forever. And this, this is what has kept us trapped in so many places, right? The prison of pride has kept us from being able to find the healing that we so desperately long for in life. The reason that so many of us can't find the healing from the struggles we, we, we face every single day is because we've never acknowledged the fact that we actually struggle. And the reason we can't acknowledge the fact that we struggle is because we've never accepted, at least accepted out loud, the fact that we are limited. We've never owned that. Maybe because of fear, maybe because of worry, maybe because of anxiety. But what does Peter say? Cast your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so kind of back to where we started this conversation, or rather where Peter started this conversation for us. At the end of the day, it's your choice. Clothe yourself with humility. So here's the question we're brought to. In this moment, in this space, in this place. So what are you going to wear? What clothing are you going to walk out of here with? You can keep on the, the robe of pride. You're going to keep carrying that weight. You're going, to, you're going to keep carrying the weight of your inconsistencies and struggles because you can't acknowledge them out loud because you can't find freedom in a good God. Maybe today, man, and this is my prayer for all of us, maybe today we're able to, to be stripped of that pride. We're able to be stripped of that weight we've been carrying so that, and so that we can put on a robe of humility. 
so that we can carry a lighter load because there's a God who loves us and in all the ways that we're limited, in all the ways that we're struggled, in all the ways where we've missed the mark and maybe, and maybe we feel broken. So God says, I, I love you just like you are. In your limitations and your struggles, I love you. Peter goes on to say that as we look forward to the coming day, when as we look forward to the return of Jesus, we know that he will restore, that he will confirm, that he will establish us. And that's the promise. As we're able to, to put on the humility that we trust in his establishing, in his restoration, in his confirming. But it's a choice. It's a choice we have to make for ourselves. Let me pray for us, church, and then we're gonna have a moment to choose. Lord, we come before you, God, I thank you. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And Lord, honestly, I, I do pray for, a, I pray for a breaking. I pray for a breaking of our pride, of the weight that we've carried, that we've allowed ourselves to carry for far too long. God, I pray that you will break us of that. God, I pray that you'll give us the strength and the boldness to step into your humility, to find healing, to find freedom in you. Lord, we love you. God, I look forward to the way in which you're going to radically change lives and stories. We love you, Lord. All things we ask in your name. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out VentureChurch.org.